Hello everyone. Welcome to CSM Secrets and in this episode we have Anita Toth, Chief Churn Crusher. Yes, she runs her own organization in her own name, Anita Toth, a consulting and a training company that is particularly focused on preventing churn and helping large customers address this problem proactively. Let's hear more from her. Hey Anita, we are excited to have you in the CSM Secrets podcast today. Thank you for joining us. Oh, happy to be here, Suba. How are you? I'm doing good, Anita. Thank you so much. And it's such a lovely community that is so supportive of each other. And, uh, you know, thank you. And it's an honor to have you in with us today. And, yeah. So, Anita, when I went through your um, LinkedIn profile and I did some kind of, you know, check on who you are, one thing that stood out so much was your title, Chief Churn Crusher. Whoa, that's a title that I am hearing for the first time. Tell us more. What gives you this title? How do you do it? Please, please fill us with everything about this title. Okay, absolutely. I'm laughing a bit because uh, that took me six months to come up with that title. Even <laughs> though it looks super easy, it wasn't. I was trying to to get a sense of uh, you know what it is that I can help with and that's very meaningful to um, my clients and to those in my network. And then at the same time, I wanted it to be alliterative. So CCC. And so um, Chief Churn Crusher, that's what I came up with. And essentially what I do and uh, what my company does is help um, B2B SaaS companies to reduce churn. And we do this primarily through uh, uh, qualitative feedback. So this is customer feedback that's surveys, focus groups, interviews. That's really what we focus on and uh, help to reduce churn that way. Nice. Very nice. So what is the Customer Insights 360 framework that we are seeing in your website and about your company? Tell us the entire journey, right? I mean, how it all started, how this framework came about and how it works, specifically about this framework, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll just give a tiny bit of background. Um, I have 20 years experience in qualitative research methods at two world-class universities. In fact, I worked 16 years just in a qualitative research institute at one of these universities. So this is really, you know, my background asking questions, surveys, focus groups, interviews. And the um, Customer Insights 360 is really helping uh, customer success teams or CS leaders, um, chief customer officers, get deep customer insights. And so what I found when I was uh, initially working with customer success teams, they have a lot of observational data. So, you know, uh, usage data and when they're going through the onboarding process, how many... um, you know, of the, of the customers are actually adopting all they have the tons of data available, but what's lacking are insights as to why customers are behaving or not behaving in certain ways. And, you know, anybody can cut their hair, 
right? You can just take a pair of scissors and cut your hair, or you can go to a professional. And a lot of companies um, create surveys for themselves, which is similar to cutting hair on their own, but they may not have the experience and the understanding that there's actually methodologies that you need to use to ensure that the, the data that you're collecting is of a high quality because the data that you collect through customer feedback, you're going to make really big decisions on. So you need to understand that that data needs to be of a high quality. So anybody can create questions just like anybody can you know cut their hair or you can go to a professional and have your hair cut and you can go to a professional and get something like the Customer Insights 360 where you can get the proper ways of collecting the surveys, the focus groups, and the interviews. Wow. I really love your analogy, right? I mean, anybody can cut hair. Yeah, it just takes a pair of scissors. (laughs) But you need a professional output, then you better talk to the experts. That's, that's, That's a wonderful analogy. And just just for delving deep into the framework itself, in your overall journey so far, you know, inventing the 360-degree framework, what was the best value or outcome you've been able to deliver to your customers till date? Oh, wow. That's a great question. The best outcome is, and it's always the same, Suba, so it doesn't really matter, um, you know, whether it's a survey, a focus group, an interview, it's getting those aha moments mm-hmm. where they see a behavior or they see uh, customers not taking actions. Mm-hmm. And then we come in, we we interview or survey the customers, we crunch all the numbers, we, you know, then give a report. And in that report is um, customer stories, which give the context to the data that they've been seeing. And so it's always you get positive surprises like, oh, wow, we never thought that that was the reason that customers were doing this or weren't doing this. And then there's always the the hard part that's a little negative where it's like, ah, we had no idea this was happening. This means that we have to have some big discussions internally to figure out what we're going to do about this. So um, that's what we bring, deep insights. And there's always positive uh, insights. And there's always uh, insights that are sometimes a little difficult to, to hear. But often my clients deep down already know what's going on. It's just now they're getting actual confirmation from their customers, you know, directly speaking with us um, to find out, okay, yeah, we knew that something was going on here. And now we have confirmation um, from our customers that this is actually happening. Yeah. Yeah. Great. That's amazing, right? I mean, you need somebody to put in a context to everything that you're seeing, right? Because otherwise it becomes pointless um, all the data that we collect. So, yeah. And and Anita, you've been part of 20 plus years of qualitative research, and I believe all of it will be in some form of the other really aligned with understanding customer behavior, putting data to use, and aligning growth strategies from out of it, right? Can you summarize your learnings for us, right? I know that you, you meet a lot of customers. You help them churn, crush churn. At the same time, from your research itself, Are there any major learnings that you could share with us? 
Um, I think there's two that uh, they're obvious. And then at the same time, they're not so obvious. And that is, um, there's two places that really there should be a heavier focus on collecting customer feedback. And that is post onboarding and then exit. Uh, so when customers are churning, they've mm-hmm. made the, de- the decision to leave. And I find that companies uh, don't put enough focus on those two areas because we know if the onboarding process is never completed or it doesn't go well, that that is a churn risk. And then finding out why customers are leaving. And once you start collecting data over time, you start seeing patterns. And that's really the key to all of this is starting to see what those patterns are and then how they start changing over time. And so those are the two things. If there was anything I could say, really start focusing on getting deeper uh, customer feedback and data, post onboarding, like immediately post onboarding, Hmm. and then also um, when customers are exiting. Yeah. Point point on uh, Anita. So who are your top customers currently and what is their feedback about the services or you know the everything that you bring to the table right uh, how do you think organizations um are leveraging right now that is also a possible venue for other organizations to leverage right um so the best the best clients i have are the ones that are really looking to um reduce churn or increase retention this mm-hmm. is not something that they're doing because there's pressure from the board and they're reluctant to do it just like with anything when you have people who are really willing and wanting to make change they make for for great clients so that means when that difficult news comes about, which it always does, just like the positive, um, you know, is stories come out after we do either surveys or interviews, that they're more willing to take that and do something with it. And so it's really important to, to have a, a culture or as much as possible, even just the customer success leader, whoever's spearheading um, this, you know, customer feedback, getting more insights, um, that they, they're really open to the information they're receiving. They see this as opportunity rather than failure and then um, are willing to make the changes, the necessary changes to improve the customer's experience and reduce churn. And then I can't remember part two because <laughs> <laughs> that was a, like a big, a big question. <laughs> no, you answered it, right? So anybody that wants to proactively uh, look at churn prevention as a key strategy, can definitely approach what you have built, what you have learned so far and leverage. Great. Yeah. So how do you think, a general industry question, right? I mean, how do you think CS as a discipline will evolve in the future? Do you have any predictions um, based on all that you have seen so far for the next two to five years range maybe? Yeah. So I think that I do a lot of thinking about this, surprisingly. Um, I'm fascinated by AI and how AI is... I just look at the positive of it, not the doom and gloom, but you know, how can AI help bring all of this data that we're getting and um, better allow customer success to, to function as, as a, as an actual function. Um, 
And so I think the biggest things, uh, there are, there's some really interesting stuff going out. So, uh, a better idea with sentiment analysis beyond the, you know, positive, neutral, negative. Yeah. So hopefully more nuances there. And then also which relationships are really are key within, you know, customer accounts. And it might not always be the obvious ones. Like, um, we know the champion is, but, but who of the decision makers really should um, should be focused on and how? And there's some AI now that can go through and take like uh, email exchanges, meeting transcripts, and like all of this, what we would call qualitative data, sort of the text, and analyze it and then say, hey, you know, based on, on what the AI has seen, this is a recommendation on, on maybe future approach approaches with this individual or with this customer. Mm-hmm. And that's what I find really fascinating. So both as a training tool, but then it's really hard to manage so many relationships and know which ones should have a little extra effort um, and which ones that maybe you can, you know, back off a tiny bit. So that's where I think it's going. And I think that's totally exciting because if it can take a little bit of that pressure off, um, I think then um, CSMs can do a better job of, of focusing on what needs to happen for the customers to succeed. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was I was getting very excited as you were speaking, right? Sentiment analysis and, you know, a little bit of AI and all of this. I mean, I think the better and the smart we leverage AI, the more intelligent humans will become, um, right, in all the inputs that we get and the way we operate. So it was very exciting to hear what I have heard and read and what I also believe is the way forward. Thank you for that. Oh, you're <laughs> welcome. One one particular course about your uh, about what you run caught my attention, right? Which is you know there is a course on difficult customer conversations, so that is trending in Success Hacker, right? What is that lesson about? Like you know every CSM has a day or two that is that is carved out for hell, <laughs> right? You have those tough times. So what are the key takeaways from that lesson that CSMs can learn in handling angry customers? or handling difficult conversations? Oh, the biggest thing, Suba, is preparation. And um, you can probably search on LinkedIn. I do put this up occasionally. And that is to create an an introductory statement or an intro statement before these conversations. Um, I think that's, that's probably the biggest tool is the a little bit of prep work and then when the conversation starts there i'm pretty sure you can search somehow on linkedin mm-hmm. i've posted on it you know probably every 3 to 4 months um exactly the, what the intro statement is and it does two things one is it sets the tone and the expectations but the second thing which i really think is the biggest is it helps to calm your nerves a little bit because mm-hmm. it's it's you know step by step by step and it allows you to make sure that you know you kind of cover all the ground before launching into the conversation so if there's one thing that um, I would suggest that kind of comes out of that course that's that's having some sort of intro statement to to help like I said set expectations and the biggest kind of calm your nerves and and mentally make you feel a little more confident in going into that conversation. Wow. Nice. 
All right. So with that, we come to the end of this serious round. Anita, I mean, thanks for sharing all your insights. Now we jump on to the rapid fire round, which is to tease you as a person a little bit and find out what you got. Ready? All right, let's go for it. <laughs> All right. So you're off to the moon and you're likely never coming back and you're going to be working from there. Assume that Wi-Fi and everything else is assured. What are the three functions at work that you would take along with you that you think need to work so tightly with you no matter where you are? Um, I would say it's the the three that I work most tightly with right now. That is uh, my accountant, uh, sales, and marketing. Those those are the three for sure. Okay. So a bunch of college grads with absolutely no skills in CS, just fresh grads with some soft skills are coming to you and asking for a role in your team. What skills must they bring to the table to, res- to deserve that seat? I think one of the things, um, knowledge can be gained relatively easily. Skills are much harder to attain. I think uh, being coachable or trainable, if you will, um, in other words, having having an open mind, that's, that's probably the biggest um, skill that for myself and my team um, is, is the most important. Okay. So if there is one favorite cartoon character that represents a good customer success manager, who would you choose? <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like the worst with this, a favorite character. I'm not a cartoons person, but I can tell you um, who not to be like. And his <laughs> name was Yosemite Sam from way back in the whatever, 1950s Looney Tunes. And he would shoot off these guns all the time and get super upset really easily. He never listened. He was really demanding and just saw things from his point. So I would say, don't be him. <laughs> everything opposite to what that character represented. That's 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 who I would suggest. Okay, that's a good one. I've never heard of that answer before, but it's a good one. Thanks. <laughs> so if you were a popular personality who either lived in the past or is living today, let's say a celebrity, who reflects your character the most that people can relate to? Oh, my character has has really changed, but I will I'm gonna put out a name that I want to aspire to. Um he's he's no longer alive, and that would be Nelson Mandela. Hmm. Um the sort of quiet confidence and still being able to have such an impact. Um that that's somebody I aspire to be. I'm still a little too excited. I have a 10 month old puppy downstairs and he jumps all over the place and he's so excited about life. I still feel that way and I want to keep that zest, but yeah, I feel like I need to tone it down a little. And, and <laughs> Nelson Mandela kind of, you know, he had, he has that even when, you know, he was in prison. Um, so that's, that's really who I aspire to be. Nice. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Excellent. So what is that one unique skill that you bring to the table wherever you go that you think is impeccable for success in, in customer success that others can also copy, follow, whatever, right? Yeah. And it's based on what I do. And that's learn to ask better questions. That is the skill. Same learn to one. ask. So always think like anybody can ask a question. Like I think humans started about two years old. Why? 
what's this, you know, um, and then over time, learn to, to um, ask better questions. And I actually have uh, a guide on my website, which is like the top 45 best uh, customer questions a CSM can ask. Wow. And that that's just free to download. And I went through I, I got over a hundred some odd submissions for it. And I went through and sort of picked the best 45 uh, that I thought were really strong questions. And so that would, that would be a really great uh, starting place for, for somebody who's listening and wondering like, well, what's a great question? There's 45 of them there for you. And please feel free to use them. Nice. Yeah, sure. So according to you, I mean, reflecting back on your career, did you think you totally went wrong with some decision or during your phase? Any misses and learnings that you can share with us? Absolutely. A couple business failures, a couple <laughs> firings from jobs. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't see them as failures though. Um, it's just part of the journey. Uh, that's how I've chosen to look at it. When I saw them as failures, it was uh, painful. It kept me stuck. I had a hard time moving forward. And so I, I tried to just see that I learned. I learned that that particular thing is not a good option or maybe wasn't right for me or maybe it wasn't right for me at that time. And I uh, learned to sort of change my thinking around it. And that's really made a big difference. So no real failures, um, really great learning from it. And then some really great stories. Because of course, if you're going to you know, crash and burn, there's always some great story that can be told yeah. around that. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. So what is that one go-to strategy or overarching value that you live by? Um, I would say for me, it's respect. That's the value. It's um, our company uh, as well. And, and it's it's kind of baked into what we do. And that is allowing somebody when when you're either doing surveys, focus groups, interviews, and you're you're talking to people is to respect what their position is, even though it might not be aligned with yours. Um, it's still valid for them. And so that would be the the it's our one of our top values. It's the the uh, second one we have, but I'm almost thinking it should be the first because in respecting what people say, how they think and see things from their perspective, you really uh, allow them to, to feel that they, they are being listened to. Even if yeah. you don't agree and it's not your position, you know, you don't think that way, um, still respect that it's theirs. Yeah, yeah. So see, we all look at customers as, as you know, some serious uh you know, businessman uh, or a woman that we are dealing with, they are always um, like, you know, it's all serious, but that's usually not the case. We all have our funny moments and friendship moments with our customers as well, right? Have you had any such funny moments, like, you know, a lighthearted moment that is worth sharing? Absolutely. And it's usually around tech. <laughs> I, I had I had this one meeting. I actually took a screenshot of it. They were so good. Through the whole meeting, I don't know what happened. We were on Zoom and my screen was like bright green. 
Like I was like <laughs> glowing, like it was, it was crazy. And, um, she, she was so good about it because she could have like gotten frustrated or, you know, decided to end the call. She didn't even tell me to take, to take, you know, to, or to sh- shut off the video. And so we laughed about it. It was anyway, it was a lot of fun. Um, I, I try as much as possible to, uh, put, you know, some positive spin on things when, when things go wrong, it's going to happen, right? That's just how life is. And I used to get hung up about it. And, um, you know, I guess that's the benefit of, of having so many years on this earth is I realized don't sweat the small stuff and it's all small stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's all small stuff. And I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you, Anita, the personal brand stand for in value? Let's say you're not in a room and, you know, your your colleagues and friends are talking about you. What do you think they'll be whispering about Anita, the brand? Oh, that's a, that's a really great question. Um, I, what I would like to hear is that um, the ideas that I'm bringing forth to the community are of value so that... Th- I know we hear the word thought leader and what does that mean? Um, but genuinely, there's there's some things that I'm really starting to push the limits with in getting people to question uh, what we've believed for a very long time. And, and for me, again, they may not agree and they might have different viewpoints, but if I could get somebody thinking a little bit differently or questioning something that they learned a long time ago and, and does it, you know, is that still valid? Is that still still true. That's what I would like to hear. So that, you know, I don't want to say an intellectual, but in, in some ways, I guess that's, that's kind of what I'm, I'm going for with this. So thought leadership, intellectual, you know, somebody who, who makes people stop to, to think. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And finally, any, any thoughts, quotes, or, you know, sharing of your social media handles that you want to do, whatever you want to tell our listeners and audience before we say bye please feel free to say anita now oh wonderful well if you haven't found me on linkedin uh that's my favorite place online to hang out besides netflix so uh, (laughs) you can feel free to follow me over there i do have some free uh guides for uh csms and cs leaders there's more coming that's on my website, anitatoth.ca. And I think the biggest thing is that customer success is... It feels like it's its finally kind of uh, out of the infant stage and is now growing quickly and, and people are starting to see value. Um, I think there's real opportunity for career in CS. So, you know, if you're listening and you're a CSM, you know, there's the the chief customer officer role was something that wasn't around that many years ago. And now there's more of them. And it's wonderful in terms of um, a career path. And so I would just encourage you to, to keep going, keep learning. Uh, I do things a little differently, like I said, because I come from that qualitative academic background. But um, yeah, just just keep learning. That's that's my biggest thing that I I, I want people to take away. Nice. Thank you, Anita. Thank you for a very insightful, lighthearted session with us. And we wish you good luck with your venture. And we will soon connect with you in some other forum, I hope. Thank you. Oh, absolutely, Suba. This was a lot of fun. Thank you very much. And that's a wrap. 
Until we see you next time with yet another customer success leader. Stay tuned and take care. Thanks for listening.